0: All righty. We're ready to go. I don't have any music, Rob. I feel naked. I feel naked, son. That's all right. We got JP, John Pickett's from the uh, firm here tonight covering the show, The Employment Hour. As always, your uh, phone calls four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred 416-870-6400, star 640 on say emails. We'll get to a bunch of those as well. It is help at employmenthour.com. And then uh, very shortly, JP will wax philosophic about the uh, severance pay calculator. But first, the week that was, brother, we talked about some cases and some things of interest that have been uh, happening uh, across your desk. What's going on, pal? Thanks,
1: John, and it's good to be here, and I hope that anyone who's in a situation, whether they got a termination letter or maybe someone's employer is introducing some new changes into the new year that aren't so great, if you have those issues, please do call us tonight, or if you don't want to call us on air, call us off air. We're happy to chat with you. So just to speak about a few issues that came up in the last few weeks. So the first issue is uh, I spoke with a gentleman a few weeks ago that was employed by a large financial services company for about 10 years and about a year and a half ago, he got in a car accident. As a result, he needed to take an extended medical leave of absence and applies for disability benefits. Well, unfortunately for him, the insurer denies his application and he can't get benefits. So what does his employer do? They say, well, employee, you are now on an unauthorized medical leave. The disability provider says you're fine, so it's time to come back to work. The problem was the doctor still saying, you're not ready to go back. So this gentleman did what any sensible person would do. He listened to his doctor, sent a doctor's note to the company, and stayed home. company, of course, doesn't accept the doctor's note and keep sending this guy letters. Come back to work. Here's a plan to gradually come back to work. We expect you to come back by such and such date. Until finally they decide to terminate his employment for cause. No severance. So this gentleman calls me and it took me about 30 seconds of reviewing his termination letter to see that something was very wrong here. And it was something I see all the time. Someone's denied disability benefits, but is not well enough to work. And then they're fired for not returning. And the employer thinks they can get away with cutting them loose with no severance. So we retained us to represent him. And after some negotiations with the company's lawyer, we were able to negotiate a very reasonable severance package for him. So there's a lesson here for employees and employers. For employees the lesson is to of course always speak to an employment lawyer if you're denied denied, uh, disability benefits or a disability lawyer and certainly speak to an an employment lawyer if your employment is terminated Uh, for employers of course the lesson is when it comes to medical leaves of absence it's the doctor who calls the shots the assessment of the disability provider contrary to popular belief is irrelevant if the doctor is saying that the employee can't come back to work and you have to be careful here because if you do what this company did, you're not only going to have liability for wrongful dismissal, but you're also going to have a liability under the human rights code. Yep. So the, the other example I want to talk about is uh, a, a very different situation. A lady gave our call, uh, office a call about a week ago and said that she'd just been terminated from her employment as a manager five years. So she was offered a severance package of six months pay. and She entered this into the severance pay calculator and found that she was entitled to eight months pay. Okay, so when the file came off across my desk, it initially seemed like a fairly simple matter where we'd be seeking a fairly modest increase to the severance package. However, after a few minutes of speaking to her, we realized that this was something very, very different. Actually, this lady had been employed with the company for 28 years. So why did she say she was a manager for only five years? Well, because five years ago, she quit the company, took a short break to work somewhere else for a couple of months, and then came back. And when the company terminated her employment, they told her that she was a five-year employee and that the severance package would reflect that. So she figures, okay, well, I guess that's what I am, and I guess that's what I get. Total nonsense. When she came back to work, she was treated just as if she never left, and that's what matters. In her case, the law dictates that we look at her full length of service. So she wasn't entitled to eight months of pay. She was entitled to almost two years' pay. So we wrote to the company, and armed with this information, it, it didn't take us very long to negotiate a significantly higher severance package. So the lesson, of course, always speak to an employment lawyer when you get a termination letter and don't ever make assumptions about what your length of service is just because of what the employer says. Talk to us and let's look into that.
0: And this also counts for someone who is lured away or induced from another company to a company. If they, if they bring with them 16 years of experience and you've been with this new company for a year, it's quite possible that you're now a 17-year employee.
1: Right. So if you are not looking for a job and someone brings you in and says, come come work for us. We think you're going to have a great career here. And within a couple of months, a year, even if it's two or three years, sometimes later than that, they say, that's it. Sorry, we don't have enough work for you. Well, you were counting on that company and you've given up significant entitlements at your previous right. employer. So all of that is going to be uh, counted under what we call inducement.
0: star 640 on cell. You know the number. Give us a call. John, welcome. Opening call. How are you, pal? Uh, Not too bad. Good. What's your your concern? Okay. I I was given leave of absence, and
2: while on leave of absence, they cut my benefit. Is that legal?
1: So are we talking about uh, health and dental benefits?
2: Yes. Life insurance, drugs, all those things.
1: Well, often it's going to depend on what the actual policy says, uh, but there are circumstances where if they cut off your benefits during a medical leave of absence, that can be constructive dismissal. If the employer knows you're relying on these benefits... And uh, they cut them off, um, then uh, it, it can be constructive dismissal. But the, the tricky thing is that employers also have a fairly wide latitude to change the benefits. So a lot of it is going to depend as to why they cut off your benefits. So I'd want to know a little bit more about that situation. I'd probably want to see the actual benefits policies that are uh, that your employer has with you. So I'd recommend you give us a call off air. Send us those policies by email. Let's take a look at it, and we may have a constructive dismissal in our hands. And uh, I'd wanna know what uh, what you use those benefits for as well, so definitely give us a call
0: John that number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred or help at employmenthour.com. dot com got uh Jay on the line hey Jay, good evening how are you doing well yourself good fellow what's uh what's going on with you tonight
3: uh well i uh I've been on long term disability for uh little over a year and a half now uh, with pinched nerve in my neck and uh uh, just got an email today from my insurance company saying they've had notice from my doctor that I'm ready to attempt to return to work, which uh, after my wife and I going into the doctor last week to talk about how we think I'm getting worse, um, it's really quite news to me that my doctor would make that recommendation and really don't know where I'm at regarding sort of Mr. Pickens' first example there, where the doctor... Makes the call and uh, where I'm left.
1: Aj, have you seen your doctor recently? Have you been to an appointment?
3: I, I saw her. Saw her earlier, uh, or pardon me, last week, or it might have been uh, at the end of the week before that. Uh, when I saw her, we she discussed sending a letter to the insurance company stating that she thought I was ready for a more active, uh, physiotherapy and strengthening program program that would hopefully get me ready to return to work. But, uh, based on the very brief email that I re- had from my insurance company today, it said that uh, my doctor has indicated I'm ready to return to work for January and, uh, I need to, uh, Talk to, talk to them about it. Now, I, I'm certainly hoping I can talk to my doctor and get, and get this straightened out. But
1: well, that's exactly it. Hearing, yeah.
3: your, hearing your first example there as like, the doctor makes the call I was like, well, damn, I'm out in the middle of nowhere. They're the only doctor I have available to me. Who do I go to if they're now against me?
1: Well, if you're seeing your doctor and you, there's a note from your doctor saying, you know what, in my professional opinion, you're ready to go back to work, I'd say you have to give it a try. But sure. th- in your case, th- I think the first thing you need to do is see what's going on, because if you're surprised to get this and it doesn't match with the appointment you just had with your doctor, it could be a miscommunication between the doctor and the uh, provider and your employer. So I think sure. the first thing that I would do if I were you is set up an appointment with your doctor to get this straightened yep. out, to say, hey, what's going on? I, where is this all coming from?
3: Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, yeah. It certainly, it just caught me uh, really by surprise this afternoon and then just long time 640 listeners. So I caught caught the beginning of the program in your first example there. And I was like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what do I do if I got a doctor who doesn't really sort of now gel with where, you know, even my current physiotherapist I'm seeing doesn't. Feel that I, you know, in our current discussions, that I'm ready to go. Or
0: well, those two should and, have a discussion. Then your physiotherapist
3: and the doctor probably as well. Yeah, right? yeah. All and
1: I would That's get a letter.
3: been a big concern for my physiotherapist. Is she's had a big sense that uh, it's uh, very disparate causes uh, between all the professionals, and uh, no one's really sort of uh, put it all together. I'm, I, I do my best, but. That's not necessarily
1: my job, neither. Right. Well, in reality, often, unfortunately, it does a lot of the time fall on the employee to sort of get everyone to come together and come up with a proper prognosis and diagnosis. So I think I would make an appointment with your physiotherapist and get a note from him or her, see your doctor. And... Have just an open and frank discussion about what's going on. And if you can get a note from her to say, you know what, I've actually clarified, I've spoken with the physiotherapist, and my assessment has changed, I actually think that there should be some time off, and your employer is still, after receiving that, insisting on on you coming back, then you need to give us a call, because then we may have... it may be something where we can just get send them a letter to back off, and if they won't back off and they decide that they're going to terminate your employment, then we have to negotiate your severance. But I imagine that most employers, once they get a letter from the doctor saying, this individual can't go back to work, they probably will back off. But the first thing you need to do is you need to paper the trail, you need to see the doctors, and you need to get their honest opinion. Uh, and have that open and frank discussion with them.
0: Jay, I'll give you that number too one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. If you need in the future to call uh, JP or the firm, please do. Pat on the line. Hey, Pat. Good evening. Hi. How are you doing? Good, pal. What's so? Uh, what's up with you?
2: Well, my question is,
0: um, I'm currently
2: with a union unionized company. Now, my question is, do I have, if I would be laid off by the company today, would I be eligible to see a lawyer, like, or for example, you guys? Uh, about my servants or, or, or do I have to just directly deal with my
1: union or how does that work? Yeah, that's that's a very good question and and unfortunately, you, there's, you, you don't really have a choice here. Actually, you don't have a choice at all. Uh, you do need to go to the union. Uh, when you're part of a union, you live and die by the collective agreement and the most important part of that elective, collective agreement is that the union is your advocate. They are your representative and a lot of the time they can represent you well uh, but sometimes they just don't have the ability or the priorities to do that so, it's one of the trade offs as being part of a union that uh, they are your, your only advocate, they're your exclusive advocate. So, no, unfortunately, if you are unionized, you cannot uh, see a lawyer. We can't uh, act for you. I see. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your help. Thanks for the call.
0: Thanks, Pat. Appreciate the call. We should say that not just Pat for everybody. You, you know, you, like you said, you live and die by the union. You, you can't go outside for outside legal help when it comes to severance matters or being let go or anything. You're bound by that agreement, right? That's right. And and there's definitely a lot
1: of benefits to being with a union. They can they can negotiate a lot of benefits while you're still working there. But the trade-off is that if it, and and they can sometimes protect your job, but the but back if,
0: end can be weak. Right. right
1: but if yep. if you're unfortunate to lose your job then the, the flip side of that is that you're you're not going to get the same rights to termination pay uh, as people who are not unionized, and you're certainly not going to have the same recourse to legal representation. So, you know, there's a there's a pro and a con, and I you won't it. I won't say which side it falls on. But That's right.
0: There you have it. More of your phone calls coming up, uh, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Help at employmenthour.com is the email. And if you haven't caught it uh, yet, Global News, uh, Global uh, TV, rather, Saturdays at 10 a.m., you'll catch the Employment Hour in 30. Lots more details and your calls coming up after a short break. It's the Employment Hour, Global News Radio. the Wednesday evening edition of the Employment Hour. JP is here from the firm, filling in for Lior tonight, taking your phone calls, answering your questions. And uh, Darren, thanks for hanging on the line, guy. How are you? Still there, Darren? Darren is not there. I'll put him back on old. see if we can find Darren. Anyway, Severance Pay Calculator. We uh, mentioned it, what, three times so far since we sat down here. Uh, JP, give me some details on it. So the severance pay calculator is a really important tool for anyone who's lost
1: their job or or anyone who's even about to potentially lose their job. And it's a completely anonymous tool that you basically enter your age, your position, your length of service, uh, and within 30 seconds, you're going to have a range of your possible entitlements. You'll be able to compare that to the termination package you've received. And as is often the case in probably about 90 to 95% of the cases, you're going to find that your actual entitlements are a lot more, and you're going to be able to find out just how much more. And in that case, if if it is a lot more showing on the calculator, you can give us a call at uh, ST Law, and we'll help you out and and tell you about what we can do to get you closer to what you're actually
0: owed. You know, we often say in the show that uh, once you go through the severance pay calculator and the number comes out the bottom, then you look at your severance, if you go, wow, it's a big difference. Is this thing got a bug in it? There is no bug. It's exactly what it should be. It's your it's your it's your
1: it's your right. It's, what it's you accurate. Get. It's it's based on the the factors that are that go into the the severance analysis that's done by the courts. And, uh, people are often surprised when they, when they hear what their entitlements are and they, they don't believe it until a few weeks later, lo and behold, we've negotiated just that for them or right. something very close to it. So, uh, definitely go on there. It takes 30 seconds, doesn't cost anything, it's totally anonymous, nothing to lose, so, so definitely go check it out.
0: SeverancePayCalculator.com, and if you want to, there's a button on the bottom that'll uh, pop you through to the firm, and you can continue on with uh, further contact at that point. 416-870-6400, star 640 on uh, cell is the number to call right to about 10 to 8 this evening to get a hold of uh, JP and answer your questions here from the firm tonight. Uh, Roy, good evening, how are you?
2: Oh, not too bad, how are you guys?
0: Good, man, What's uh, what's going on with you?
2: Um, Well, my situation was I worked for a company for about 10 years, and there was some heavy lifting involved. Um, I did injure myself and ended up with what they call sciatica. Um, uh, The supervisor I had was sympathetic towards me, as he had a bad back as well. Uh, So he basically gave me mostly work that was not heavy lifting. Um, After about three years... The supervisor was replaced and the new supervisor had no sympathy towards my you know my injury um and was starting to give me heavy lifting and uh was you know my back was acting up and whatnot i went to the vice president of the company who i knew well told him the situation and he basically said look what i could do for you if you like i could lay you off and i thought well, if this is the situation, I'll take the layoff, and then I'll find another job, you know, that didn't involve heavy lifting. Um, in any case, he said, go home, I'll send the, the separation papers to you in the mail. When I received them, I had been terminated with cause. They had created an, an, a lie uh, saying I had done something which was totally untrue. So I took it to the uh, EI tribunal, right. and I won my case. Okay. Um, now, I guess my question is, should I have been able to receive severance from that company?
1: Uh, okay, Roy, when did this happen? How long ago?
2: <clears throat> it was about three years ago
1: now. Okay, so that that's the unfortunate thing. If it was three years ago, uh, then you're going to be uh, beyond the limitations period and the Limitations Act. So. Uh, important lesson, uh, lesson for anyone listening is that uh, there's a two-year limitation date from the day that you're terminated um, to act on your entitlements. Now, uh, if you'd only gone to the EI tribunal, then absolutely, you could you could have still gone to uh, to the courts, uh, and you could have still gone to see a lawyer to, to negotiate a better uh, severance package. But unfortunately, if it's been three years since the day that you were terminated, uh, then you would be out of time. So, right.
2: So, Because I had won the case at the tribunal, I should have been entitled to uh, the severance?
1: Yeah, so the the EI tribunal process is a totally separate process. You can win your case at the EI tribunal and and still be entitled to severance. You can lose your case at the EI tribunal and still be entitled to severance. Um, EI is a similar benefit to severance, but it's an an entirely different statutory regime. So if—now, I think you did the right thing by going to— uh, EI, uh, but uh, yeah, and I guess in retrospect, I, I wish we could have had this uh, discussion earlier because definitely uh, I would have uh, told you that we should go ahead and, and get your severance, and if it had been less than two years, uh, we we definitely could have done that. So, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but definitely going forward, uh, if you or anyone else you know is in that situation, you can uh, apply for EI, and still afterwards. Uh, or while you're applying for that EI process, uh, go after your severance. And I have a lot of employees who are um, doing that all the time. And the good news about EI is that the threshold, as low as the threshold is to get your severance uh, when someone has alleged causes, as, as easy it is to get past that most of the time, it's even easier to get your EI. So if you've been denied EI, don't ever sit in language, you should always appeal that um, so that you at least have some money coming in uh, while someone like myself is working on getting you a proper severance package. 416-870-6400,
0: star 640 on sales, the number to call through. Got some time to get your questions answered by JP here from the firm. one 1855 821 5900 is the number anytime time to get hold of JP, Leor or someone else on the staff. And help at employmenthour.com is the email. So we're talking reasons why people receive or accept bad severance packages. Number one kind of dovetails nicely in the last couple of calls, and that is they don't realize they're entitled to more, right?
1: Yeah, and this one is is a real heartbreaker because some people uh you know our last caller is is not alone there's a lot of people who are in that situation who uh sometimes call us 10 20 30 years after they've been terminated and say hey was, would I have been entitled to more and Usually the answer is yes. Uh, over 90% of the severance pa- offers we see are inadequate. And and why is this? It's a simple cost-benefit analysis from the employer's perspective. If I uh, terminate Bob, Jim, and Sally and give them all minuscule severance offers and only Bob and uh, Sally go to see employment lawyers and Jim doesn't, mm-hmm. uh, then I've probably still saved tens of thousands of dollars. And even if I have to pay for the legal fees uh, for the two people who actually went to a lawyer, I'm still going to save money. So if you know or or, or anyone who's listening knows someone who's received a a termination letter, uh, your first stop should always be severancepaycalculator.com. Enter the length of service, your age, your position, your salary, and your severance offer and find out. And don't wait because, you know, as we've seen, if you wait too long, um, unfortunately, you can run out of time. 30 years, huh? (laughs) You've had that phone call. I, I don't know. I, I think that's Lior that that happened to. That hasn't happened to me personally. I've had some people call three, five years, but uh, it, it happens. I was let go 30 years ago. And yeah. There was no
0: lawyer on the Mayflower. Can you help me? It happens. Like Believe it or not. That's crazy. Believe it or not. 416 870 6400 star 640 on cell help at employmenthour.com through email. Talking uh, reasons why people accept bad severance packages. Oh, you love this one. Uh, they rely on the advice of the old Ministry of Labor.
1: Yeah, and that's nothing against the Ministry of Labor. The Ministry of Labor is there to protect employees, but the the problem is, is that the ministry is only legally able to advise with respect to one's minimum entitlements. And full severance entitlements are not governed by the Employment Standards Act, not governed by the Ministry of Labor. And in fact, the Ministry of Labor has nothing to do with that, Uh, contrary to popular belief and probably contrary to intuition. So those can only properly be assessed by an employment lawyer who can tell you what your full severance entitlements are. So someone who works somewhere for 20 years could easily be told by the Ministry of Labor that they're only entitled to eight weeks. Mm -hmm. And depending on the situation, that person's full entitlements could be two years' pay. So, imagine if that was someone earning $70,000 per year. That means that this person would have been throwing away almost $130,000. And just think about that for a moment. All of that money lost because they called the Ministry of Labor instead of an employment lawyer. So, the lesson is when it comes to
0: severance, always, always speak to a lawyer not the ministry of labor isn't it also true that if they open up a case with the ministry of labor against the employer there's no going back now they can't come to you and yeah, claim those benefits that's that, a that's a nail in the coffin right there
1: and that's that's true you've got a 2 week window to change your election but once you start with the ministry of labor if you let those 2 weeks pass and you don't uh, you don't cancel your mistake and fix your mistake then unfortunately you're 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 cooked you're you're stuck in the ministry of labor and that's all you're ever going to get so uh, before you take any action, and this goes for really before you take any significant action after getting a termination or thinking of, of leaving or claiming constructive dismissal, always speak to a lawyer.
0: It can't hurt. Phone lines are open. 416 870 640 on cell. You want to ask JP a question while he's here for the remainder of the show from the firm? He's here to answer them. We are talking about, in the meantime, reasons why people accept bad severance packages. Oh, this one. They, they're worried about upsetting their employer don't want to step on any toes. Right?
1: Yeah, I think this is a completely misplaced fear. Severance negotiations are actually not acrimonious. It's not divorce law. It's it's not uh, some contentious litigation. People need to remember that Tens of thousands, probably, of severance packages are negotiated every week, right. all the time. Most severance packages these days are negotiated. It's a business negotiation. And in fact, my approach is to actually try to set a positive tone in my first letter to the company or the other lawyers. So we're, we're assertive, but we're not aggressive. You know, here's the law. We're not trying to hurt you. We're not trying to hurt you, employer. We're just trying to get the appropriate severance package owed under the law without having to escalate further. I can understand, you know, for some people, if you worked in a small shop with three to four people, and maybe you're really close with the owner, maybe you don't want to get someone else involved. So there are those, those situations where you, you may want, not want to call a lawyer, but just remember, this is your future, and this is about you are, how you are going to pay the bills. It's not about punishing someone. It's not about being accusatory. It's about your future.
0: And a lot of people think under that sort of uh, similar umbrella that if they have a package and they go back and tell the employer that, you know, this isn't sufficient, I want more, they think they're going to lose the entitlements they were given say, oh, oh yeah, you want to fight? Now we're not going to give you anything. That's what they think is going to happen, right?
1: Yeah, that's what they think is going to happen. And theoretically, that, that could happen. Uh, every termination letter is going to have a deadline on it, right. usually one to two weeks. But this deadline is meant to pressure employees and dissuade them from seeking legal advice. Now, remember, that deadline is to sign the release. They want you to sign that release. and And so... Remember that the the, the severance package is not being offered out of benevolence. It's not being offered out of the goodness of their heart. It's being offered because the company knows they have exposure. They know they are offering you less, probably a lot less than you're owed, and they really do want you to sign that release. So what I always tell clients is I cannot prevent your employer from doing something incredibly stupid, like changing the severance offer because you didn't sign it by this completely arbitrary deadline. But I do this hundreds of times per year and I never see this happen because from the employer's perspective, it just makes no sense. And as someone who advises employers, I would never advise a company to pull a severance offer or change the amount being offered because a deadline was missed. Even though I always advise those employers to put on a deadline so that hopefully they can get a deal before the employee changes their mind. But the last thing an employer wants to do is invite a lawsuit. Asking the employee to sign the release was to avoid that lawsuit. Right, and you got two years—not two weeks, not Friday at five—you got two years. You've got right? two years, and and you know, not three or four, as as unfortunately we <laughs> learned 30. earlier, or thirty for that matter. Uh, but you do have two years. Now you don't want to wait two years because there's uh, there's strategic and tactical advantages to starting earlier rather than than later. But you, you certainly don't need to act within two weeks, three weeks, or even two months. You, you act whenever you're ready to. 416-870-6400,
0: star 640 on cell, help at employmenthour.com is the email. We'll uh, maybe get to a few of those before the end of the show. Uh, smattering of your phone calls as well. Reasons why people accept bad severance packages they were terminated for, and I'm doing the air quotes, cause. Yeah, so anyone who's listened to this show before knows that establishing a a termination
1: for just cause is extremely difficult. Uh, The company generally has to prove that you've done something truly awful, like committing fraud or forgery, usually something dishonest that goes to the very heart of the relationship. And a lot of terminations for cause are are on the basis of poor performance, poor fit, bad attitude. Those are almost never legal. I'd say probably one out of 100 cases that come across my desk uh, is one where the termination was actually properly for cause. It happens, but it's very rare.
0: And in the other cases now it's the fact that they've got to build up a case or, you know, they've, they've got to put you on some sort of probation program. They can't just pull the plug.
1: Yeah. But they have to, they have to give you a chance to improve, particularly if it's something about performance. And even then sometimes there's other factors. So if they've been giving you a chance to improve, but all the meanwhile, you've been asking for training because something new is happening or uh, there's something preventing you from being able to work because you have some kind of disability, even that may not be enough. So don't assume just because you've gotten a whole bunch of warning letters, that that's the end of the story, because often it's not. Often the employer is just trying to build a case when they don't really have one.
0: Sometimes it's a misconception that they won't be able to pay for legal fees. That's why they don't want to you know ruffle any feathers or, or ask for better severance. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, that's understandable. And a lot of people assume that negotiating a severance package is going to cost them thousands of dollars and maybe put them in a worse situation than they started. And I completely understand that. But in reality, that's just not how it works. So speaking for ST Law, for example, you know there's numerous payment options. And by definition, most of our clients have just lost their primary source of income. So of course, we understand that they're not going to be enthusiastic about making a big investment for legal fees. And what we always say is the last thing we want to do is stand in the way of a proper severance package because the legal fees are too high. There is always a way uh, for it to make sense.
0: Help at employmenthour.com is email. We'll bounce over to one from Chris writes in, says, I'm a supervisor at a manufacturing plant and was just fired from my job of 15 years. It happened a few months after a new company took over. They called me in for a meeting and said I wasn't following safety procedures. I told them that I was just following the same procedures that the company always use, but the new company says those procedures do not meet their safety standards. Uh, It doesn't seem fair because I'm just doing what people told me. They said uh, they had cause to fire me. Do they owe me anything? Excellent question, And, and similar to a lot of situations
1: that I've seen before. So, so Chris, the company cannot punish you just for following directions. And what I would say is if they want to introduce a new procedure, they should have trained you in that procedure. And then if you still don't follow it, they could have been justified in implementing a system of progressive discipline, verbal warning, written warning, suspension, and then maybe, maybe – a termination for cause. But a termination for cause right off the bat when you, you didn't even have any reason to believe those standards were wrong? I, I don't think so. And you're, after 15 years, uh, I don't know how, what, what position you had or, or how old you are, which are definitely things we're going to want to know. But I'd say you need to give us a call right away because uh, we can't help you get the severance you're owed in the situation.
0: 416 870 star 640 on sale. I think it's interesting to note too, you mentioned there about the, the company, what they could have and should have done is get a, uh, you know, start written warnings, uh, verbal warnings. The other side of that, and I know you guys always advise is the employer to have a quid pro quo with that one, have their own reply in writing to all of those things saying why they disagree or whatever, because it ever comes down to the point where they are terminated... They've got their own ammunition, right? Right. Well, in Chris's
1: case, the the obvious thing that the the employer should have done is train people on your new procedure. If someone's following a procedure for years, how can you possibly fault them for that? So, again, it kind of goes back to my original point that if you're making a case against someone and you don't have a case to make, it doesn't. you can give them a million written warnings. Written warnings don't mean anything if that person doesn't actually have an ability to improve, if there's something standing in their way. So, as an employee, what you want to do is you want to make a record of that because... But what I say is if it's not in writing, effectively, it doesn't exist. So you're going to want to write the reasons why on those those written warnings. You're probably going to want to send an email afterwards to follow up to say, this is why I can't do
0: what you're asking me to do, and create a case for yourself. We're talking about the reasons as well. People accept bad severance offers, or in this case, none at all. The employer has told them that they're an independent contractor. Yeah, this is very typical. Uh, the employer
1: says you're an independent contractor, so you don't get severance because you're not under the Employment Standards Act, etc. And w- what I can say is that most so-called independent contractors, using using air quotes here, are actually employees, or at the very least, what's called an, a dependent contractor. Right. And in either case, they get severance. And this comes up the most probably with salespeople and brokers, Uh, For whatever reason, people who employ and employers who employ salespeople often get the idea, hey, this person is out and about a lot making sales for us. We don't give them an office. They're not really a regular employee. So why do we treat them as an employee? Why don't we treat them as a contractor? We'll start issuing them uh, invoices. We won't make the statutory withholding. So they'll be a contractor and, hey, we'll, we'll lose our liabilities. Doesn't work like that. And there's probably right now someone who's being called an independent contractor who's being asked to sign a release for a payment that's probably a fraction of their full entitlements. So if you work for only one country, well, one company, you're almost certainly going to be owed severance. And in fact, even if you work for multiple companies, you could be owed severance. So it's absolutely critical that when you get that termination letter, you give us a call.
0: That number, by the way, for the firm, one 821 we have had calls on this show over the last four and a half years where guys have been working for 25, 30 years for the same company, but because they withhold their own taxes, they assumed all that time they were an independent contractor and they they weren't. <laughs> they simply weren't, right?
1: Yeah, and people are often shocked because it's the the difference that's owing is often the most jarring when it's an independent contractor because it's not someone who's just been offered a bad severance package. It's, it's almost like a termination for cause. It's like someone who's been offered almost no severance. So the difference is often $50,000, $70,000. That's not uncommon for someone who's an independent
0: contractor or who's, who's improperly called
1: an independent contractor
0: 416-870-6400 star 640 on cell. hey pat good evening
1: hi how are you
2: this evening
0: good what's uh, what's going on with you
2: well i work for a company i've been working there for 30 years um they were slated to close or resold it hasn't happened it looks like they're going to continue and don't know how long it's going to last but i've been looking at purchasing a business and uh, getting into business and but still working for this company. How does that work when it comes to the severance? And if I have a business, I'm running it on the side. I'm not really – it's a different company altogether. It doesn't do the same thing as well. So what happens with severance if I continue to work and then that my company that I do work for closes, but I still have a business running? How does that
1: work? Yeah it's a very interesting situation. I mean it it depends on how the ownership of that company works. Uh I mean ultimately if you if you own the business so sorry would there be anyone else who owns the business or would it be just you? Just me yeah so you, are, are you so so what situation I'm just thinking the, the reason this this doesn't really come up very often because if it's just you, then you're not really going to terminate your own employment, right so that's it so someone else actually has to have come into the act of terminating
0: your employment so I'm just oh, what, no,
2: what, no! I don't own the business I currently work for
0: right, well, you're working for a business, but you're opening your own business on the side, so if you get right. fired from business number one, you what happens what happens to your severance? Yeah. oh right okay so the the fact that you may have a different
1: business isn't going to affect the severance that you have from business number one i I'd, I'd say we we would introduce that the we, we would look at that the same way. So how long have you been working there Pat?
3: thirty years
1: Thir- Wow okay and uh, how old are you uh
3: fifty four
1: and uh, what uh, what was your what's your position there
3: uh, I'm in the uh, engineering.
1: Okay. So someone like you could easily be owed two years of your pay. So here's what I want you to do, Pat. Give us a call off here. I want to hear more about this. I want to hear more about the other business. And uh, your, your termination entitlements could be very, very significant. And in a case like this, uh, after 30 years, wow, my goodness. Uh, you, definitely, we should talk about this and uh, figure out what you're, what you're owed here and, um, and what, what we should do to, to get you there. And I think we will.
3: Okay, thanks very
1: much. Thank thanks,
0: you. Pat. I appreciate that. It's one 821 5900 That's an interesting case because if he's got his own business up and running, we assume he's making income. The point of severance is to bridge the gap between that and your next job. Would it reduce his severance because so, of that?
1: Right, so the way it works is that you're, you're supposed to be made whole over right. a certain period of time. So if you had already been running a business Prior to the date that you lose your job, none of that income is going to matter. Now, if you start running a new business and you start making money in that new business, then yes, that is going to be credited back to the employer. So, one of the things that I'm definitely going to be speaking about with Pat is the timing of that new business, how much he's earning in that new business, because maybe he's earning part of his income, but not all of it. So, that could reduce a severance, but after 30 years, that's probably still even even taking into account uh, whatever discount for whatever he's earning in the new job. Uh, unless he is earning something that he was not earning before and it fully uh, accounts for the income that he was making with his old job, it's still going to be very significant. So I, I'd be surprised uh, if, uh, if there isn't a... a quite significant severance yeah. package to be negotiated there.
0: We were talking about uh, the reasons people accept bad severance packages. The last point on this one is they believe that, uh, you know, getting a better package is going to take months or years, and it's going to be a, a real pain, right? Yeah, well, not always
1: the case. The no. vast, vast majority of severance packages can be negotiated in a matter of weeks. And that often means that the employee is actually not going to get any gap in income because they're going to have to pay the minimum severance amounts while your your severance is going to be negotiated. If for some reason those run out, you're still going to be entitled to EI, uh, which off in many cases employees don't even need to resort to. So often, you you really don't feel it at all. Right. You just uh, you're you're working, you're getting paid, or maybe you're not working and you're still getting paid. We negotiate your severance in the background, and then you have that income security for however long it's going to take you to find a new job.
0: Everybody assume it's all this lengthy court battle that you see on TV. It's just it's not the case with employment. It's a completely different animal, generally.
1: No, like I was saying earlier, most severance packages these days are probably negotiated. It's, It's a very, very common thing.
0: We'll, uh, we'll take it from there, my friend. If you're on the line, hang on. We'll get to you off air, but we got to get back to On Point with Alex Pearson. Uh, the number to call, 1-855-821-5900. It is help at employmenthour.com through email. And if you haven't tried it yet, the Severance Pay Calculator, that is severancepaycalculator.com. In addition to our nightly shows here on uh, Global News Radio, you will catch uh, Employment Hour in 30. That is on Global TV Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. JP, nicely, uh, nicely, uh, nicely done, sir. Lior should be scared. I think. I don't think he's scared. No. But. Well, he runs a joint, so maybe not. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He he does run the joint. Till next time, the employment hour, right here, Global News Radio.